It's game time. Bill and T and talking sports. You're listening to the Game Day T podcast mm-hmm. with your host, my name, D. Hello everyone, this is D. Gill here coming at you with another episode of the Game Day T. I am your host, D. Gill. You can find me on all my social media uh, handles, D-G-I-L-T-M. If you want to follow me along there, you can see all my wonderful episodes. Interact with me, tell me how I'm doing, tell me what you want to hear. Uh, if you have people that you think would be good for the podcast, let me know. I love telling our stories, especially LGBTQ uh, athletes and everything around the sports. Let me know. Today, though, I sometimes, as you all know, if you have been listening to my podcast, I like to bring it home in a sense where I normally tell people stories from all over the world, but I like to bring it back to my roots, to my home state of Georgia. And today, my friends, I have another local story for you all. Now, this is interesting because this is the first person I'm interviewing that I met at Georgia State University. That's where I got my exercise science degree in 2012. And I met Patrick Farber. Uh, I forget how we met Pat, but I just remember a dorm room, uh, the uh, living center. I remember all that down there. Uh, And we met and I remember our love for the Braves. And so I want to go ahead and bring you into this podcast and welcome you to the game day tea. Yeah, thanks for having me. Yeah, I remember, uh, you know, it used to be when the Braves played at Turner Field, you know, walking distance from the campus, get those uh, dollar nosebleed tickets. Uh, not, not a bad deal for, for a college student, but uh, good to catch up with you. No problem. And thanks thanks for coming on. Yeah, you know, you saying Turner Field brings back so many memories, but I worked there when we first met on college and I have so many memories from Turner Field as a child growing up playing uh running the kids running the bases you know and yeah exactly yeah so it's just we have we have memories there what was it like for you growing up and you being an avid Braves fan yourself well you know growing up you know I was born in 95 so I I lived through a a great period for the Atlanta Braves uh you know born in their World Series year probably should have been more but uh you know we won't get stuck on that Uh Uh, but love the Braves um really enjoyed going to see their games, uh, always disappointed to see their playoffs experiences, but uh, still went out, um, got to be a part of those. And, uh, you know, now still follow the Braves, still my hometown team. Uh, thankfully, throughout my career, I never worked a game for the Braves organization, so I never had a bad experience there. <laughs> uh, you know, we'll get into that later on, I guess, but uh, <laughs> you know, still love my team. There you go. And you love you're an avid baseball fan, not just the Atlanta Braves. So much so that you guys, Pat, is an umpire. That's pretty neat. And so, Pat, I want you to take me back. Where did this even start? Did you have this idea when you were younger in high school? Were you infatuated with umpires? Like, take me through that whole process. Yeah, so my earliest memory of it is actually recess and second or third grade, I was asked to be the umpire for our kickball games and uh, enjoyed it. Always remembered that related to it. Uh, Played at a local park in Alpharetta growing up. And my dad and I were up there hitting balls one day. I was about 14 years old, 15. And uh, one of the umpires that knew my dad saw us up there and said, hey, you should come over here. We're going to do an umpire training. 
-hmm. So did that training um, and have been involved ever since, really enjoyed it. It's a great way to stay in the game, especially, you know, if you can't stay in as a player, which is a lot harder to do. <laughs> um, keeps you around the game, keeps you focused, um, and I've just loved it ever since. Wow. So you went to the Windlesset Umpire School. Did I say that right? Yeah. Okay, there you go. Woo. Okay. Yeah. And so you're probably wondering why does is Pat even on my podcast this week? And that's because Pat came out while at Umpire School. Pat, tell me how that went. Yeah, so, you know, I, I'd been out to my parents before and my friends back home, but going into umpire school, you know, I determined that I just wanted to be truthful and upfront about it. It was 2016, you know, we'd see what happened. And uh, I get into umpire school and you all new people, maybe about 120 people all staying in this hotel, hoping to become, you know, potentially minor league umpires. Mm -hmm and rooming with some random person, you know, that I'd never met before, just like a, a new dorm mate in college, maybe. Mm -hmm. uh, so we're just chatting back and forth uh, in the room, getting to know each other. He had gotten to the room before I had, so I'm unpacking and, you know, we're just trying to get to feel each other out. And, uh, you know, not in that way, <laughs> not, not in that way, but uh, he, he asked me, uh, you know, he says, Hey, Hey, what's the hardest part about playing soccer? I said, I don't know what, and he said, uh, telling your parents you're gay, which I laughed about. Um, but he immediately followed it up with, so do you have a girlfriend? And I said, no, actually, I have a boyfriend. And he was frozen at the end of his bed. If I had left the room, I would think he was still there to this day, just frozen out of shock. Uh, you know, it was, it was all meant and joking. And yeah. it was funny how much shit the guys would give him about it afterwards people would always go up to him like hey memo what's the hardest part about playing soccer yeah and uh just every time his face would freeze <laughs> but uh you know from there you know people slowly found out when i got into the minor league advancement course the uh the following year uh they combined the two schools so there's the wendelstedt school and the professional baseball or the uh minor league school mm -hmm. um and they combined the two classes to kind of rank everybody out and uh, it was just funny to see how the news spread from the Wendelstead students to the other students. Mm. Um, but overall, it, it was a good experience. Yeah. So what was that like? What was that? Uh, was that a good reception from people? Or was it like, were you getting the stares and the, you know, how was it? Was it negative or was it more positive? How was that for you? It was a good experience. There were people that I'm sure were probably not about it or whatever or you know had whatever they had to say but they really didn't say it to me and I never heard any of it uh for the most part everyone just enjoyed you know being around each other the camaraderie of of being the umpires you know we're the third team on a field and you have to build up that teamwork to be successful in it especially over a season mm -hmm. um, or just going through umpire school so it, it it really wasn't bad. Didn't have any problems. It was just funny that I guess there were maybe stereotypes that people would look for when they heard that there was a gay umpire coming from this school to, to this combined class. Yeah. So they just wouldn't know. And there were funny people like uh, asking, I'm standing next to one of my colleagues who I'd worked with, uh, you know, the year prior in the Northwoods league at the uh, advanced course. And uh, there's a guy on the other side of him, like nudging him, asking him, uh, hey, which one's the gay umpire? Which one's the gay umpire? 
And uh, Tom is just nudging me even more. <laughs> I'm like, why are you, why do you keep hitting me, Tom? Right. <laughs> uh, it, it was just funny. I guess there were maybe yeah. people thought they would know just off, right off the bat. Right. But overall, it was good reception. And that's good. You know, people, some people are very, very close-minded, especially from where we're from, Pat, you know, from Georgia, and think that, gay you probably look a certain way. There's no way you can be an umpire. There's no way you can be a base, professional baseball player, you know. Uh, gay comes in all types of forms, fashions, you know, masculinity, feminine, whatever. And so I, I'm, I wanted to bring you on to this show so somebody can – probably tell their mama or uncle or dad or cousin or whatever hey listen to this website you know we're not there's not just some what you see on rupaul's drag race okay <laughs> <laughs> not, not that there's something nothing wrong with that at all but you know gay comes in all forms and my question to you though did anybody else come out did you know anybody else out at umpire school so somebody did tell me that they were um, that they identified as LGBT, but didn't uh, come out. Still haven't, so I'll you know I'll keep that to okay. myself on the name. But uh, once people found out that I was open, um, there were people that reached out to me, um, you know, and had their own questions or had their own things they wanted to talk about. Mm-hmm. You know, umpires, especially moving into minor league baseball umpires have to be fairly young because they want you to go through the minor leagues for, you know, seven to 15 years what? and then have a 20 to 30 year career in the majors. Okay. So, you know, there's a lot of young guys trying to, you know, learn about who they are. Um, just, you know, going through the experience. Yeah. So I, I heard a couple of things like that. Um, strangely enough, the, uh, maybe the person I remember being kind of the meanest to me about it, mm-hmm. uh, later themselves after they left uh, identified as LGBT. So God um, here they see now that's the stereotype we need to talk about, right? (laughs) (laughs) So if you are, you know, people don't understand, like you give yourself away when you, when you use the F word and you're so mean and just like over, just like, why do you even care? Do what I do. Then most of the time, like they're suppressing their own feelings. So. Yeah. And, you know, a lot of people, you might not see this with lower levels of sports, but in, you know, minor league baseball, it is a professional workplace and they have, uh, you know, the standards that you would expect in a traditional nine to five office of what is and isn't appropriate behavior. So Mm -hmm. I, I never really had any bad experiences with other umpires. We have to take a little seven inning stretch, if you will. We'll be right back with the game day tea. Welcome back to the Game Day Tea. I'm your host, D. Gill, and I'm talking to Patrick Fraber. Well, let's dive a little bit deeper into what it takes to be an umpire. Because uh, as we know, in Major League Baseball, and even in Minor League Baseball, they are so heavily scrutinized by the players, by the... Well, take it for instance, what happened with the Braves. How the whole replay incident, (laughs) homeboy was clearly clearly did not touch the plate but they're in the replay showed that but the umpire called him safe so tell tell me what goes on between like really being a good umpire so first i'll just say replay is its own mess across all sports um <laughs> yeah that, that's all i'll say on that mm-hmm. 
ultimately to be a good umpire, you got to have a love for the game. Uh, and you have to want to be the best you can every time you go out there. Um, it's a lot like, it's a lot like perfecting your, your golf swing, right? Uh, once you get the basics down of it, you know, if something's not working one day, you're not seeing this right. You're, you're struggling with that outside pitch, you know, knowing where to make those small adjustments and just being self-reflective on, okay, what can I do better to next time, not make this mistake or next time, get a better view of this. Um, you have to be someone that just wants to keep improving, wants to get back to the game, uh, willing to put in a little hustle, both, uh, on the field and in the rule book. But other than that, it's it's a lot of fun, and it's a great way to stay around athletics to to give you something to look forward to on a Friday evening. You know, I do football and basketball as well. And mm-hmm. is, is there anything more American than on a a Friday in fall being on a football field under the lights? No, you know, it, it's a ton of fun to to yeah. be around the sports. Um, mm-hmm. You just got to have a love for it. And that and that's the key to anything you do. I love doing this podcast, and so I'm passionate about it. And hearing you and seeing your pictures on Facebook, uh, hold. On. Where can people see you in action? By the way, do you have any social media they can see you in action? Any pictures or anything like that, or they can actually see you umpire a game? Yeah, uh, at Patrick Farber. Uh, you know, can find me Instagram, Twitter. Uh, you won't see much from me on Twitter. Um, and I'm, you know, my, after my minor league career ended, you know, I'm now in software sales, so you can connect with me on LinkedIn. I don't know that that's what you really want to see, but, uh, (laughs) that's cool. Um, but, uh, you know, if you want to see me work, uh, you know, just message me and, uh, be in somewhere in Georgia. I don't, don't plan on leaving for a while. So, (laughs) and I'll put the actual handle on, uh, in the description of the podcast, I do have a question though. So looking on TV, you know, watching baseball games and we see that square of uh, ball and strikes, you know, to me, it looks like it would be easy, but I'm pretty sure from your point of view, how do they train you all to know, okay, just this much to the left is a ball or this is a strike or this is high It's like, and do you have to know pitches? Like what are different pitches called? Like, tell me about that part. Yeah, so first on on the box that you see on TV, that is not the most accurate thing to go off of. For example, okay. it doesn't change batter to batter, but the strike zone does, obviously, based on height. Okay. Um, and that's not what professional baseball uses to grade their umpires. There's a website called closecallsports.com. If you're a big baseball fan, you know, I really encourage you to check it out. Uh, professional baseball does, so they have this device called TrackMan that really allows them to pinpoint a baseball in a three-dimensional plate. Mm-hmm. Um, and they publish those stats. They're hard to find, but Close Call Sports puts them out there and you can actually see, did an umpire get this call right? Did they get it wrong? Overwhelming, overwhelmingly, the minor li- or the professional umpires, they get their strike zone right. They do pretty well with it. Um, so that would be the way that I would judge any of the umpires on it. Okay. Other than that, it just takes time, a lot of practice, seeing a lot of reps. Uh, again, it goes back to knowing when you're struggling with something. Okay, what can I do to improve it? Be it tracking, keeping my head still, uh, getting set up in a different position. Um, just kind of working to always be, you know, having that best zone you can every game. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, one question I get a lot is like, oh, when are we going to have an automated strike zone? Yeah. 
the technology is not there yet. I do know that that's something they talk about regularly on the close call sports website. But, uh, um, you know, once that comes, there will be a lot of pitches called strikes that people are going to be shaking their head at, um, mm-hmm. that, you know, the human umpires just don't pick up. And who would you It'll be to interesting blame? to see when it comes, but. Yeah. And who would you have to blame at that point? This is what everybody wants. So were they going to argue with the robot or, or, or what? Or what? <laughs> Seriously, now the, uh, who, who, who's to say that can't be hacked in a World Series game to favor one team or uh-huh. another? Yeah, or that it's like set perfectly. I mean, the height of the strike zone is still, you know, it's measured between you know, around the chest. Mm-hmm. But that, you know, that changes, you know, from the height of the player. So you'd have to set it all right. And it changes based off of their natural swinging stance. There's there's a lot of it that will be hard to figure out. Mm-hmm. I'm sure they will find somebody to yell at. One of the uh, professional independent leagues, they used um, – they tried using an automated strike zone. And I think the first game in the first inning, they had an ejection from it. Um, so oh, we'll see God. what happens. And who does the manager argue with and uh, if they don't like the call? Like, how does that even look? What do they even look like? God, I, that, that's the only person I can think to bring it up with. <laughs> At that point, right. <laughs> have you ever gotten hit by a pitch? I have. So plenty of times that that's what ended my minor league career. Uh, oh. Took a fastball to, uh, it just took a weird ricochet, went around my mask and inside of my head. Um, what happened? Are you like, did you get injured badly? Yeah, it was up in the, uh, I was working the Pioneer League. So I was in, uh, where was it? Great Falls, Montana. Okay. Um, the only time I've ever been there, probably the only time I will be there, but uh, <laughs> Shout out the basketball to the side of the head, um, went into concussion protocol, didn't come back, ended up taking about three months of physical therapy to get over it. Oh, wow. um, but that, that was how it ended. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll say this, I, I get hit a lot more. I got hit a lot more in professional baseball than I did in high school baseball. Okay. I don't know why. Maybe it's just the, the pitchers in professional baseball throw harder. So the ball just gets by faster. Yeah. Um, I'm sorry to hear that. Yeah, they don't uh, – well, the, the public really doesn't hear about that that much, you know, how – I'm pretty sure we really dove deep into the effects of hit pitches, you know, umpires and players. We, we always – what we always talk about the players getting hit, right? But we really talk about what effects does it have on the umpires getting hit. And so to hear you say that has really opened my mind, you know, to dig a little deeper and see what it takes to recover from some of those hits. Yeah. Well, the, you know, the, the most recent, the only openly gay active umpire or umpire that was openly gay in the MLB while still working, Dale Scott, uh, his career ended on a concussion. Hmm. It's a, you know, it's, it's a real concern with umpires being behind home plate as often as they are in MLB. And that that might be one of the biggest benefits of moving to an automated strike zone is that you could try to position the umpire somewhere safer than that. I don't know if it's possible, uh, but it, it is a big concern just around being an umpire in the sport. So as an occupational therapy clinician, I know what rehab looks like from a concussion standpoint. But for those that do not know, please let us know what that rehab looks like to overcome a, 
of being hit that hard and having to really get back going again. So, you know, I'm not a doctor by any means, but, you know, I know every concussion is different. In minor league baseball, we had taken a baseline test before we ever got into the system, before we started working games. Uh, They sent me to a specialist in Chicago to to get the test done after I had my concussion, and it was pretty serious. Uh, Several things that we worked on, tracking was a big problem. So tracking is just watching a ball come from the pitcher's hand all the way into the glove. My eyes would just bounce. They weren't smoothly taking taking the object in. Mm -hmm. So working a lot on motion, I had balancing problems as well, just trying to fix those. Um, It took a while. Yeah. Now, do they do a test to get you uh, to see if you are competent enough to umpire again? Like, what is, like, how do they know that you have cleared that dizziness and that those vestibular uh, discrepancies? Up? So, you know, the the physical therapist and the doctor they do clear you to return back. Um, yeah. I wasn't far enough in my career that I was probably going to make it to the MLB, and ultimately. Uh, actually, once you get into the minors, it's easier to get to the MLB as a player than it is as an umpire. Wow. Just the math on the number of positions, you know, how long guys stay in those positions once they're there. You know, Do you think there's a little bit of a politics that uh, comes into play there? Is the system rigged in your opinion, or is it just does it really go by like, hey, no, these umpires are really good, so they deserve to be in the MLB? There's certainly a top tier, uh, especially working through the minors. Uh, um, and they take a lot of young talent that they're hoping to develop in the minor leagues. Okay. Um, you know, if they wanted the best talent immediately, they would go get, you know, college umpires that have been doing it for, you know, 20 years. But those guys, you know, wouldn't be able to have a full MLB career. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I wouldn't say there, you know, there, there's a little bit of politics in everything. I don't think that was yeah. anything to do with my case. Uh, certainly you get to the triple a i have no idea how you tell one triple a umpire apart from another but that's not my job somebody else does that uh, i can tell you they're all really good when you get to that point that's for sure so uh, uh that would be a difficult decision to make that's all i can say on that okay what about women umpires in the mlb why do you think there's a lack of women umpires in the mlb i think it has to do with the sport having an a female equivalent that is not the exact same. So think about basketball has men and women's basketball, you know, from growing up all the way through to the professional level. Mm-hmm. So, you know, women's basketball still follows a lot of the same rules as men's basketball, very similar games. So I think for a female official working their way up, they can work through either one and then, you know, work between men's and women's back and forth and, and make it into the, the NBA mm-hmm. uh, football. There's only, one, you know, there, it, it's a male sport, I guess, but, you know, there's not a female equivalent to it. Mm-hmm. So if they one wants to be around the game, you know, there, there's only one option and they'll go with it. And, you know, that's great. Baseball has softball and baseball and softball, you'd think are very similar, but there are a lot of differences, uh, especially in mechanics, just the way the game is played, rules, differences that, make a pretty big difference. And, you know, if, if you go pretty far as a uh, softball official, that not likely going to convert straight over to baseball. Mm-hmm. So I just think if you grew up playing softball, you might officiate it. Um, yeah. 
baseball, you know, baseball also has the challenge of just minor league because they have to get such young officials, much younger than like the NBA or college football. I think that just presents more challenges to it of, you know, a lot of young women not seeing themselves going into the game Mm -hmm. just because, because they haven't played it or or mostly haven't. But when I went to school, there was a a woman umpire, female umpire uh, in our class. Uh, She's great. She did a great job. She's still in the minor leagues. Um, There will be a female umpire in the MLB soon. You know, it's, it's just a matter of time. Well, hopefully that we can see her in the MLB and another openly gay umpire in the MLB soon. A good question that I have for you is, do you think there needs to be some type of LGBTQ plus uh, inclusion training or something like that in umpire school uh, to, to make more people feel comfortable? Because what you say it was like 120 people in your class. Yeah. And so like they, you, you, uh, you know, they still like, oh my gosh, here's the, here's the gay person. So do you think there's even a need for that? Well, I will say the MLB has done a good job in trying to create an inclusive environment. Um, I don't know if you've heard of Billy Bean, but he's the MLB ambassador on diversity and inclusion. Mm-hmm. Um, himself being uh, a gay man. I think baseball is doing what they can to try to make it a more inclusive sport. Uh, you know, it'll just be a matter of time, but I, I think they're taking the right steps to do it. That's awesome. Yeah. And, uh, you know, baseball is one of my favorite sports, obviously. Abbott, Atlanta Braves fan, and the Braves do a good job you know, by having a pride night and, uh, and you got almost have to be in Atlanta. There's so many gays around there. <laughs> well, people with the LGBTQ community in general, but, yeah. um, so, uh, that's good to hear from your perspective that, uh, well, maybe not good for podcasts. It's not a lot of doom and gloom and drama, <laughs> but seriously though, that you didn't have a rough time going through school on prior school and that, uh, you know, you, you did your thing and I really appreciate you coming on here telling me that uh, telling us everybody that's listening your story about what it's like I've, I've grained in a few wrinkles in my brain listening to you and it makes me look at umpires a little bit more differently now yeah and, and I'll say this so you know the professional level um, I never worked a game with anyone that identified as LGBT but working high school sports here in you know in the South, mm-hmm. I've worked with a lot of LGBT officials, both mm-hmm. doing uh, football, basketball, baseball. There's more out there than you'd think. If you identify as LGBT, we still, we, there's a big need for officials. There's a huge shortage across the country. Come on out. It's a great community. And overall, it is pretty inclusive. Um, you'll meet a great group of friends and there, there are other LGBT people out there already doing it. Um, so feel free to be yourself. Pat, if there isn't already a Facebook group or some type of alliance for out officials, maybe that's something we can start and get it going. So just a little thought out there. If you're listening, if you're a part of any groups already, or if you have any ideas, this even sounds like a good idea. Hey, hit me up. 
let's see what we can do because uh, I as power in, in the community and we can really help each other out. Yeah, absolutely. I'd be happy to help with that. I mean, it's it's a great thing to get people involved in, and, and it's so much fun to be around the game still. Yeah, and maybe Outsports in the Sports Equality Foundation, maybe we can help with that as well. So tell me what's going on, like what you're up to, what you're up to now, and uh, how can people be more involved with what you you got going? Yeah, so I'm involved with high school, GHSA, football, basketball, baseball. I'm on senior staff with GHSA baseball. And then myself, I run my own officiating group, just a small one working at the rec park where I grew up at. Uh, we're called Youth League Officials, um, just providing the best baseball umpires we can. It's a, it's a great job for high schoolers. That's what I did in high school. Mm -hmm. um, you know, you get paid, it's a contractor job, you get paid per game. But, you know, working a 10-year-old baseball game for a high schooler, about 23 bucks an hour, Ooh. fantastic job to get kids in. Yeah. Um, and you learn so much in it, so, so much about just working with other people, presenting yourself to adults, how to handle adults acting like children. <laughs> um, it's a great, great job to get kids involved in. Um, and that's something we've been trying to do is just get more high schoolers in the game, especially reaching out to you know minority high schoolers, mm -hmm. um, trying to get them more involved in it as well. It's a great way to stay in sports after your playing days. Yeah, I would, and uh, I'm glad you brought the minority part part because uh, baseball, you know, there's a lot of talent. You know, minorities have a lot of talent. You know, as we can see, uh, Acuna right now you know uh, how many undiscovered acunas are out there right now ronald acunas out there because they just don't have the resources or the or not given the opportunity to play or to umpire to do this or that you know so that's a, i'm glad you all are doing that with the youth league yeah and it, it's something that professional baseball as well is pretty aggressive in it is trying to give minorities the opportunities you know to learn about officiating and be involved in the game that way as well. Mm -hmm. That's pretty unique. And uh, maybe, you know, it can even help LGBTQ youth do find a niche for them to say, hey, you know, I, I can start at the youth level. I don't have to, you know, coming out as a, in high school is really tough. You know, kids are really tough. So to be a part of a group and somewhere like something like sports, that'd be really good for the community. Yeah. And, you know, as a, as a sports official, you're the third team at, at any game and you'll grow that relationship with your coworkers, uh, just like the players do. It's a great way to be a part of a family. Great, great group of people to commit to ton of fun. Well, Pat, I really appreciate your time. Everybody listening. I hope you all enjoyed this uh, podcast and uh, go out there and, Check out your games in your local communities and uh, just know that umpire, one of those umpires out there may be a part of the LGBT community. But with that being said, everybody go out there and be true, be you, and be fierce. Take care, everybody.